Thanks, Vivian. Thank you very much. It's the Ray Darcy Show on RTE Radio 1. Enjoy the show. Thank you. Good afternoon. On this Tuesday afternoon, how are you? And Happy New Year. It's as if it never happened. That's a lovely phrase. We love it in our house. Whether it's to do with pizzas on a Friday night after you do the clean up or Christmas. It's as if it never happened. I don't know about you, but yesterday we took to the house with the determination to clear it of any hint that Christmas ever happened. And it's all gone. It's all gone. There's the odd little bit of paper here and there, but all the decorations, the tree, all of that stuff down. Now, we did leave up the outside lights because I think that introduces a little bit of mirth into the world. Uh, Last year, we left them up until the end of February. Don't know what the plan is this year. Remember this time last year, we're in the middle of a huge lockdown. Uh, But I just think yesterday, it was just an add-on day, wasn't it? Because New Year's Day happened on Saturday, we had the extra bank holiday on the Monday. Uh, And I think just from talking to people that people did a lot of life administration yesterday. Like our Neve, who works on the show, got all the odd socks and made pairs out of them. Well done, Neve. (laughs) Fiona got a new candle out. That's what she did. I sent off loads of emails. You know, that list that you, you know, life administration, banks and various things. Now, didn't get any response. It wasn't as productive as I thought it would be. But still, I, I did it. I did that sort of thing. I wonder what you did yesterday. Sort of one of those days, wasn't it? And of course, you know, it's New Year's resolutions. I, like, I'm not an expert, but I, I don't think they're a brilliant idea, New Year's resolutions. Like, think about it. Think about it. You've just gone through Christmas. If you're lucky enough to be going back to a job, you're arriving back today, maybe after 10 days off. Probably overindulged over the, over the Christmas period. Probably too much to eat, too much to drink. You're feeling a little bit bleh. Yeah, a little bit bleh. And then you're supposed to decide to change your life. To change your life. It's not a good time of the year to do it. You should probably do it, you know, in the middle of the year. I think little things. Like we have had time over the Christmas to reflect on our lives. And we've had chats with our loved ones about various things that we may want to change. And I think it is a good time for reflection. But putting the pressure on yourself to do some big thing, you know, like learn the piano or write a book, or run every day, or learn to swim. That's probably too much at this time of the year. You know, think about it for the month of January. Maybe January should be a thinking month. And then the 1st of February, which I like to think is the beginning of spring, St. Bridget's Day, that's the time to do it. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe maybe 1st of January works for you. I don't know. But there was a lovely thing in The Guardian on Saturday, which was New Year's Day, and it was 100 little things. They did this... uh, 21 years ago, I think, or 22 years ago. And it is probably inspired by the Baz Luhrmann thing. Everybody's free to wear sunscreen. And and they just had a hundred little things that you could do. None of them are huge. None of them are going to change your life in a big way. But the the, the accumulated effect of all of them could, could improve your life. I just picked out some of them. And the reason I'm, I'm going to play this for you, like Baz Luhrmann, right, it's to inspire you to offer us back some little things we might share with our listeners today that they could do little things. I'll give you an idea because I've cobbled together I think there's about 20 in this of the 100 from The Guardian. So copyrighted is from The Guardian, The Guardian, The Guardian and, and, and they're all just, they're just, you know, all just, it's the little things. Set aside 10 minutes a day to do something you really enjoy, be it reading a book or playing Halo. Don't be weird about how to stack the dishwasher. Be polite to rude strangers. It's oddly thrilling. 
exercise on a Monday night. Nothing fun happens on a Monday night. Bring fruit to work. Plants bring bulbs, even if they're just in a pot. Send a voice note instead of a text. They sound like personal mini podcasts. Keep a bird feeder by a window, ideally the kitchen. It'll pass the time when you're doing the washing up. Add the milk at least one minute after the tea has been brewed. Laugh shamelessly at your own jokes. If possible, take the stairs. Keep your children's drawings and paintings. Put the best ones in frames. Connect with nature. Stand outside barefoot for a few minutes, even when it's cold. Go for a walk without your phone. Stretch in the morning and maybe in the evening. Send postcards from your holidays. Send them even if you're not on holidays. Instead of buying new shoes, get the old ones resold and buy new laces. Don't have Twitter on your phone. Try taking a cold shower before your hot one. It's good for your health, both physical and mental. Text to say thank you. Take out your headphones when you're walking. Listen to the world. Say hello to your neighbours. Call an old friend out of the blue. Every so often, search your email for the word unsubscribe and then use it on as many as you can. Instead of buying a morning coffee, set up a daily transfer of two euro. Don't save things for best. Wear them. Enjoy them. Sing. Sing. Skinny dip with friends. Thank a teacher who changed your life. Respect your youngers. Keep your keys in the same place. Always book an extra day off after a holiday. Ignore the algorithms. Listen to music outside your usual taste. Learn a TikTok dance, but don't put it on TikTok. Cook something you've never attempted before. Learn how to breathe deeply, in through the nose, out through the mouth, making the exhale longer than the inhale. Buy a bike and use it. Learn how to fix it too. Politely decline invitations if you don't want to go. If you do go, have an exit strategy. Do that one thing you've been putting off. Give compliments widely and freely. Listen to those albums you loved as a teenager. Make a friend from a different generation. And for instant cheer, wear yellow. You get the idea. Little things. And I'm sure there are little things that you do in your life that you'd like to share with our listeners. Feel free. 51551. Ray I wish I had the courage to wear yellow. <laughs> I was just, I was cleaning out the wardrobe. That's what I did yesterday. Cleaning out the wardrobe. And it's all greys and blacks and navies. Greys and blacks and navies. You get to a certain stage in your life where you think you know what suits you and you stick to it. Actually, one of those bits of advice uh, in there that I left out was if you find something that suits you, buy three of them. As in a jumper or a pair of trousers or a hat or whatever. Uh, Anyway, 51551 for little bits of advice as we head into a new year. And let's hope it's a better one for all of us uh, than the last couple of years. Now, dry January. There's a thing. People do that. Uh, and it makes sense to a lot of people. Uh, dry January, they call it as well. Um, and I suppose it is a time where we can reassess our relationship with alcohol. I wonder will the minimum unit pricing help you? It's mad. There's a big hoo-ha. And maybe it's because that's what the media have to do. They have to create a hoo-ha. So I've been listening to all the various points of view over the last couple of days about minimum minimum unit pricing. And I've been following this for years and it is years because the report that recommended minimum unit pricing was published 2012, February of 2012. So it's it's 10 years ago, bar a month. And the thing about it is it wasn't just minimum unit pricing. There was a whole raft of measures that were recommended in that report and very few of them 
have been implemented. And it tells us something about the political will to change our relationship to alcohol in this country. Ten years, lads, ten years. Loads of talk, loads of lobbying, loads of this, loads of that. Very little action. Um, it's, it, the, I'd love to go into that room with all the reports. You know the one, the, there's a room somewhere, somewhere down there in government buildings and there's all these reports that were commissioned over the years for various things and they're gathering dust and dust and dust and little action been taken. Anyways, two things that help me hugely. I spend time outside every day no matter what for fresh air to be with the children. Every couple of walks I get my toddler and seven-year-old to dictate the pace of the walk for a while. They stop to look at leaves, play, spoil a plant in a garden or a fungus. It grounds me, says Karen. And Claire was on. She's looking forward to January the 6th, which is Thursday. Nulling them on. Little Thursday. Not little Thursday. So it's a normal size Thursday. Little Christmas. And that's the day, traditionally, that uh, the women of Ireland take a rest, take a break. Um, and Claire has been musing over that. And she says... This is she's looking forward to it, obviously, when you hear her email. Ten days of planning and peeling and roasting and shopping and testing and replanning and wrapping and cajoling and shouting and losing it and regaining it and sanitizing and masking and eating and more eating and swearing, no more eating, and testing and shouting and eating again, and occupying and occupying and occupying and washing and more washing and more washing and returning shite and losing receipts and more masks and bloody crowds and toddlers. I'm so over Christmas. Please, Norma, reopen the schools. There, there's, a, there's a heartfelt plea from Claire to Norma Foley, the Minister for Education. Uh, I still have my tree up. Nothing gets taken down till the 6th, says Barbara. Uh, sweep the floor while you're waiting for the kettle to boil. Next time, do your stretches. Aha. It was an odd thing in our house because the, the, the electric kettle broke and Jenny refused to get a new one because we had one of those whistling kettles. And Jenny reckons that the time between putting the kettle on and when it whistles, you could use for meditation, stretching, whatever. Because it takes longer, you see. And that was going well and I was getting a little bit frustrated because I was waiting for the kettle to boil. And you know what they say, watched kettle never boils. So eventually, Christmas week, I had to go down to DID and buy a new electric kettle. Because over the Christmas, you can't be waiting. You, can, you know, you look for boiling water for various things. You can't be waiting for a whistling kettle to boil. Can you? Maybe. Um Speaking of boiling kettles, there was ice on the windscreen this morning. And how do you deal with that? There was debate on Twitter. They, they, they debate the serious matters on Twitter. They debate everything, actually. Um, so the kettle full of water, one suggestion, rubbing a hot water bottle over it, one of those fancy sprays, or are you old school? Do you leave newspapers on overnight? What do you do? Um, well, I'll tell you what I did. I, I walked down to the shop. <laughs> I couldn't be, whatever, to go back into the house and get some boiling water and put it onto the screen. That, that, that So I just walked into the shop. Now, uh, 51551.ray at I'll tell you about our quiz, which is back for a new year, reeling in the ears after this. Hey, yo, uh, the Supremes with Diana Ross. The Happening on RT Radio 1. Um, what date is today? It's the 4th of January 2022. Uh-huh. Uh, could you tweet your version of the sunscreen song, please? Really, Mel? <laughs> sure. Uh, stay in touch with people who retire. Reach out to those who were friends but ceased to be when they retired. Old age is lonely, uh, and you will be old one day too. That, that's that's a good one. That's good advice. Uh, we spoke to Ben Cleary 
uh, before Christmas and uh, he won an Oscar uh, for The Stutterer a few years ago. Uh, he's from Dublin um, and he has directed his first feature called Swan Song, which is available on Apple+. Plus. Anyway, the reason I'm telling you about this is that over the Christmas, who other than Oprah Winfrey um, tweeted about Ben's movie. Uh, swan song and uh, you can't get a higher recommendation and she is a woman who has some clout you might know that and when she recommends things people act they buy books they watch movies they do whatever she says anyway uh, here's the quote we've been watching a lot of movies around here this is Oprah Winfrey but one that really got to us was Swan Song on Apple TV Plus it's about a loving husband and father who's diagnosed with terminal illness and he has to decide if he should replace himself with a clone to shield his family from his loss Um, and uh, Standing ovation from Oprah. So that's well done, Ben. Well done, Ben. Listen, if, if, if you're looking for something for children of a certain age to do, you might get them involved in Wordle. You what? Wordle. Yes, it's a new word game. And you spell it W-O-R-D-L-E. And you're going, where did they get that name from? Well, the man who invented it is a software engineer from England, but living in Brooklyn. And his name is Josh Wardle, you see. So Wardle and Word, and you get Wardle. Uh, it, it, it's, it's a fun thing to do. Um, I, I could try and explain it to you, but you, you have to get a, a five-letter word, is it a five-letter word in six tries? You're starting from scratch. Um, it, it, it's it's scrabbly thingamajiggy, um, but it's good fun. And they give a new one every day. I won't tell you what today's was, but I will tell you that I got it in four tries. Not really, but sort of four tries. So Wordle, you'll be hearing a lot more about it. On November 1st, 90 people played it. And on Sunday, Sunday just gone, the 2nd of February, just over two months later, more than 300,000 people played Wordle. W-O-R-D-L-E. Frozen screen troubles, Ray. Just half fill a large Ziploc bag with hot tap water and wipe away the ice. Ah, haven't heard that one before. One bag will do all the car windows, but be careful with hot tap water. Make sure it's not boiling. Hot tap water. Maybe put some cold water in first just to be sure. Uh, but that's a good one. That's a good uh, life hack. Uh, so any more little tips of what people should be doing in the new year? 51551. Ray at RT.ie. Yeah. Better tell you about this. Uh, Reeling in the Ears is back. Yes. For another few days anyway uh, so we've put together bits of songs news reports TV shows and movies and we're looking for two people to come on and answer three questions each on what they hear in their ears reeling in the ears if you go for a short clip it's a little bit more difficult so you get two points for that for your efforts a long clip is easier you get one point for that and there is a prize yes uh, for this week's prize we want to start 2022 on the right note with a getaway to the River Lee in Cork part of the Doyle collection of hotels uh, with a beautiful riverside location, luxurious bedrooms and divine dining options, a New Year city break has never looked better. During your visit, you can explore everything that Cork has to offer. Patrick Street, you can visit the English market, return to the stylish rounds of the River Club. Uh, perfect for a glass of vino and light bites or sit on the heated terrace and enjoy the drama of the To The Moon installation. Uh, and it's delighted to give one lucky winner and a guest two nights accommodation with dinner on one evening in the stylish Griller Room restaurant at the River Club. You can find out more. DoyleCollection.com DoyleCollection.com So, we're looking for two people to one after four o'clock and here is your qualifying question. 2022 is a leap year. True or false? 
2022 is a leap year, true or false? 0818 715 925. 0818 715 925. Good luck with that. We could be talking to you after four o'clock. The Ray Darcy Show on RTE Radio 1. Email ray at rte.ie. The Ray Darcy Show on RTE Radio 1. Uh, public health warning do not put boiling water on your windscreen, it will crack. Still? Will it crack? Yeah, probably. Uh, now we're going to ease into 2022, sort of a slow enough start. Some would say sluggish as we talk about snail farming. Deirdre O'Connor from Skelly Giscargo. Good afternoon. Hi, Ray. How are you doing? Happy New Year to you all there. Happy New Year. Bonjour. Here we go. So Skelly Giscargo, <laughs> you, you farm snails, Deirdre. Yeah, so um, Ray, uh, during the first lockdown, I suppose I lost my job and uh, my husband's a farmer and uh, four young kids in the house. So we had to try and think of something that we could do here. So um, after the first lockdown, we we decided on looking into this and doing a course and we did that. So during the second lockdown, we started putting our unit together. So we have set up a snail farm here in South Kerry called Skelligus Gargo. Um, but I'm very proud to say that since we've set it up, we've come in contact with 25 other farmers around Ireland. Okay. And we have formed a group called Escargo Ireland Group. So we've all come together. And uh, there's a lot of snail farmers in Ireland that we didn't know of um, until we started. So, so more than 20, talking. more than 20 that you know of. Um, yeah. ap- apart from the obvious, i.e. the snails, what else do you need to, to, to start snail farming? So our our unit, um, we have sheet iron um, surrounding the unit and it goes down two feet underground um, in order to keep out vermin. And then there's bird netting then over the top of it and it's going up eight foot high. So it's an external unit, but it's an internal unit, if you know what I mean. The snails are all inside in this unit. Um, So and then they're farmed. We're using a system called the pyramid system where it's just lots of timber all going up in an A-shaped frame and all the foods put on top for the snails then. But um, it's all outside by us at the moment. And how big is the area, Georgia? So our area is just uh, about a quarter of an acre is what we've started with. And so it's many, very small. How many you know? snails would you have on that quarter of an acre? So we bought 4,000 breeding snails, and each of those snails has the ability to have 100 eggs. So while I haven't counted them now, <laughs> but we could have 400,000 snails above. Um, please, God, all going right. to plan next year. Go out there and count them and come back to me. I'll, yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll yeah. Uh, that's what I'm going to send the kids at if we end up in another lockdown. What age is, there, what age is there the children? So uh, Leah is 10. We have Dylan, who's 8. Evan is 6. And Kean is just 3 since Christmas. And what so do they think of the, the snails? They love it. They love it, actually. Um, they're just before... Uh, Christmas, I went into the schools in the area and just showed the, the kids the snails and I actually couldn't believe they, the fascination with them. Mm. They were all dying to hold them. And yeah, you know, there's a lot to learn in snails. I'll be straight with you, Ray. If you told me three years ago that I was going to be snail farming, <laughs> I would have gotten sick into a bowl and said that a hope. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, um, now I think we're all fascinated with them. It, it's, um, it's unreal. Now, but, um, we're, not, yeah. we're, not, we're not snail eaters in this country. No, we're not yet. Right. Um, is what I would say. I mean, nobody really ate oysters in Ireland 20 years ago. And now they're a delicacy, you. Yes, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, I don't know, I just feel with all the, you know, everything at the moment now is global warming. Um, we're being asked to diversify our farms. We've been asked to cut down the national herd. But I mean, the reality is, Ray, that the land still has to be farmed. It can't be just left 
go wild. Yeah, yeah. And what and nutritional value do you get from snails? So snails are very high protein content. So uh, anyone out there that's into any form of sports or even dieting at the moment, protein is number one. Um, and they have a lot of vitamins in them. They have natural um, anti-inflammatories. You know, so it's kind of endless with them. And then their slime is used in um, in creams, in yes. collagen, you know, so... I, I, I have a memory. I have a memory of having snails on my face there back in the day when when I used. Yeah, you, in some countries you can go for a snail massage. <laughs> snail so you know, Ray, if you want to try that out again, you are welcome <laughs> right. to go to any of the twenty-five snail farms in Ireland. I'm sure they'd all accommodate you, uh, and they, they're from Monaghan down to Kerry. So I'm yes. sure we'd get one close by to you. <laughs> okay, do you eat your own snails? No, but we haven't actually harvested any. Of oh, you haven't harvested yet, them yet. So, okay, so that's on the way. We've just tried. So, sorry, we've just, so our snails that we have now that have had their babies, I'm hopeful that they will be ready to be sold in August. And where will you sell them to? So this is a brick wall that we're kind of hitting at the moment in Ireland, unfortunately. So while our climate and everything is perfect for snail farming at the moment, because the snail is under the classification heading of an animal, there's a lot of legislation for processing snails. So at the moment, every Irish farmed snail is being shipped to Greece to be processed. Now, some farmers would have the argument that a processing plant in Ireland is not viable because they're only kind of processed two months in the year. But I suppose my argument on that, for me... Lost you. Gone. Yeah, we just lost. Oh, no, I can't hear. I can't. Hello, Deirdre. Hello, Deirdre. There is definitely a hum there, but there's no Deirdre. Um, snail farming got off to a slow start but coming out of its shell now says Chris 400,000 snails that's a big escargot cargo says Vinnie and Mayo that's nothing like a, a good pun to start the new year hello Deirdre no I tell you what we'll take a commercial break and see what we can do about the snails and Deirdre and Skellig's escargot The Ray Darcy Show on RTE Radio 1 Text 51551 The Ray Darcy Show on RTE Radio 1 Deirdre O'Connor is down uh, in Carsveen Skellig Escargo is her uh, business 400,000 snails she's hoping for with the first harvest and we hope Deirdre's back on the line now Yes Hey there you go The call just dropped out of the blue Right You were telling us there's a bit of a brick wall so they're classified as animals in the same category as what sort of animals like agricultural animals Yeah so agricultural animals so while there's a load of different class, like classifications under an animal, the fact that it's in under an animal is a problem um, because they're actually a family member of a mollusk, which is the same as oysters ah, and mussels. Right. So, so why aren't they classified as, as one of those then? Exactly. That's the argument that we have. Okay. And so how are they classified in other countries? Yeah, so within the EU, I mean, in France, they go under the mollusk um, situation. Yes. So they don't emphasise on the animal part. So they deem them as a mollusk. So they're, they can be shipped with oysters and mussels and different things, whereas in Ireland they can't at the moment. Mm. Now, I don't know if this is something in the Irish legislation, you know, or is it just the reality that it hasn't been an issue in Ireland before because it hasn't been, a, you know, something that's been brought to the fore. And I'd say it's the latter. Is, I'd say it's the latter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, and I just feel, you know, but to be fair, Ray, there has been an awful lot of snail farmers in Ireland in the past who have failed. 
and do you reckon that's part, part of the reason? reason? Oh, right. Okay, yeah. okay. You know, and I think you know, I was just very lucky. All the snail farmers in Ireland, we all, um, you know, went to our TDs and tried to get help with this. And I, so I was just lucky that out of the many emails I sent, Michael Healy Ray was interested in it, phoned me, and he was able to bring it to the floor of the doll. And right. it's because of that that we've got the newspapers and different things that we've got, you know. The, and you're talking to us now. It, exactly. It, 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 it sounds like one of those things that it, it wasn't done intentionally. It just sounds like a, a huge oversight, doesn't it, really? You but know, but you want to change. We want to change, but I suppose because it wasn't an issue before and legislation in different areas has been written, it's more difficult now we're being told to get it changed. But I can't see why mollusks can't be shipped together. You know, and if or even processed together, I suppose where we are here in um, Carcedinway, there are two fish processing plants. One of them's actually nearly overlooking our farm. Um, then there's another fish um, company in Port McGee who travel to the continent every week or two weeks. But we can't send our products with right. them. So, so the let, can I just clarify this? So, because it's classified, say, the same as a cow. The, the, the transportation of cows would have to be humane and meet certain standards. Uh, so are you telling me that the transportation of snails has to meet the same standards? Well, it does have to meet standards. Obviously, you wouldn't be sending your product in something that wasn't um, uh, yeah, okay. fit, you yeah, know. Yeah. But the main thing is, I suppose, Ray, is that when you have something that's classified as an animal and then something that's classified as a shellfish, you can't put the two of them together because it's cross-contamination. Okay, right. Okay, I see. Uh, yes, uh, you see, so that's, that's the, the main okay. thing. But we're just trying to fight to get mollusks. That's, we don't need them changed from animal or anything else. We just need them changed from mollusk. You know, that, from, mollusk from mollusk to mollusk. <laughs> yeah, so we just need to have all that classification yeah. to be allowed to be shipped together. Okay. You know, um, And I don't think it's a big ask. I mean, at the end of the day, if they allowed it and if snail farmers in Ireland didn't succeed, which again, I highly doubt, they're not... It's not that they're all going to be sitting around the table going, Jays, we made some mistake there by doing that. Mm, you know, mm. it's going to affect uh, nobody. And you reckon that in 20 years' time we will be enjoying... Um, have, you, have you eaten snails yourself? I have, actually. It's funny, yeah. Rick, because I had bought um, snails from another snail farm in Ireland, uh, Westport of Scargo, so I said I'd try them out. Yes. And uh, unknown to the rest of the family, I put them into a chicken tikka masala. <laughs> Now, I have to admit, I don't like mussels or anything. So we had a really high-protein dinner that day because chicken's really high in protein and a scandal is. But I thought I had made enough for two or three days. And that particular day, they all kept going back to the pot for more. And they were all delighted. And sure, the young ones were going to school telling their friends that they had just eaten a scargoe and it was they were right. delighted for it. I'll be honest, my own tummy was turning because I, I was like, oh, I Did you tell them to. beforehand or afterwards? Afterwards. Afterwards, yeah. Yeah, because I wasn't letting the pot of stuff go to waste just in case. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so yeah. curried snails. Yeah, curried snails, and it went down a treat. As wow. they, everyone went back for seconds, so it was great. I hope it was nicer than our curry turkey. It just didn't work out this year at all. The curry turkey. I, I don't think turkey's meant to be curried. Anyway, um, so traditionally in 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 France, they they serve them with garlic and butter, don't they? Yes, that, yeah. that would be one sort of, of the poached. Main ones. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, there's many different ways. Um, it was actually one of my kids' teachers was telling me that she had eaten them in Spain. And the best way that she could explain the Spanish um, recipe that she had eaten was uh, the equivalent to a lamb stew. Oh, yeah. So yeah. I suppose there's there's probably unknown amount of ways to, to cook them. And um, yeah. escargot pate is very popular right. in other countries. So, And what I was the texture like in the curry? 
But, well, I, to be fair now, I cut them up. Oh, smaller, did you? Right. But right. Um, they, they're very meaty, to be fair. Um, <laughs> right. Yeah, they are. They're, they're a chewy, meaty. Yeah, but, chewy, um, meaty. <laughs> chewy and meaty, yeah. Um, but as I say, anyone that's into their proteins and things like that, I mean, yeah. they're... And, and your main markets then, obviously, we mentioned Spain, France, um, and where else... So Spain, to be honest, Ray, and uh, not giving you a short answer, everywhere outside of Ireland, Ireland eats UK, nails. Okay. Yeah. Right. Now, and actually, and I say the UK there. Actually, the UK has become very well known for um, snails in recent years. So really, at the moment, it's Ireland. And yeah. um, but I do feel that we'd have a, a great, you know, we have. It's not just Irish people living here anymore. So you know, I'm sure there's plenty of people that love their escargot and probably just can't buy it here. So we'll, that's why we'll see what happens. Yeah. Like, let, let's let's finish where we started. We're we're a bit slow on the uptake on this one, Deirdre, but uh, things might change. So Skellig Escargo, you'll be hearing more about uh, Deirdre and uh, snail farms in Ireland over the coming years, and you might even um, eat them. I I, I I found them nice. They were they were lovely. I had them in some place in in, in France years ago uh, with with garlic and butter, and they were delicious. Um, for, but for a lot of people, it's a step too far, a culinary step too far. But anyway, okay, Deirdre, mind yourself. Happy New Year. Many happy returns, Ray, and thanks a million for having me on. Take care. The Ray Darcy Show on RTE Radio 1. Tweet at Radio Ray RTE. The Ray Darcy Show on RTE Radio 1. Mm-hmm. New year, new job. Anybody? Yeah, start of new year can make us reassess things, and especially when it comes to our career. Uh, and if you're looking to make a change or hoping to switch things up, then Angela Burke's advice as a career coach may be just what you need. And she joins us now on the line. Good afternoon, Angela. Afternoon, Ray. How are you? Good. Um, good to talk to you. You're, you got through it all and everything's fine, is it? I did, yeah. Got through it. Um, we didn't have any COVID in the household, so I think we're probably one of the lucky families yeah, in I Ireland. Yeah, I think you are. I think you are. We were lucky as well, but every every second person I talked to had had to isolate or had COVID in the house. Yeah. And, and obviously that sort of interfered with the normal Christmas, but we haven't had a normal Christmas in a couple of years now. Um, so, no. so, so. Uh, let's talk to you about yourself first. Um, how does one qualify as a career coach? Yeah, good question. Good question. Um, so I, I've over a decade experience in recruitment. So hiring people, working with organisations and hiring managers to actually hire people. Um, and for me personally, it was kind of halfway through that that I figured out, God, I really like actually helping the people themselves figure out what they should be doing and, you know, helping them make sure they're making the right decision for themselves. So I actually went um, to Warwick at the University of Warwick and I did a postgrad um postgrad course in career development and coaching studies so I now combine I suppose my experience and my, and my knowledge of knowing what the employers are looking for and knowing what the candidates have to go through to get the job but also that qualification and helping people to figure out well what's actually right for me at this stage of my life and how can I use my skills and my knowledge and my experience um, to get that job that will align more with what I need in my life this you know at this yeah. stage. Um, and has the last two years uh, made people think about their career more so than before COVID. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I I was only saying um, to one of your researchers the other day that I have never had as many DMs, Instagram DMs and emails as I've had over the last week um, and over the last two years, really, Ray. But people, I think people have just really had a chance, you know, with this slower pace of life to figure out what it is they want, um, what's not serving them. If you take, for example, people who have been working from home for the last two years, 
they might not have realised that they actually weren't enjoying their job until they were away from the one thing that got them through the job, which is yeah. maybe their colleagues. Um, or maybe, you know, it was if they were in event management or something, it was that nice part of the job. And yeah, people people have really figured out that I think one what, what they're doing at the moment may not be serving them or they might need a slight tweak. But two, I think the change I've seen, Ray, over the last two years is people are very um, quick to stay, I suppose, stay where they are. You know, the devil you know is better than the devil you don't know. And they kind of accept that that dissatisfaction in their job. But I think what I've noticed over the last two years is people are starting to kind of look up and say, well, maybe there is something else I could be doing and maybe I don't have to stay in this job, in this career situation with the dissatisfaction, which is great to see. Is, is, is it a luxury to have the option of change? I think I think the way I look at it is it needs to be practical, right? So I know some people out there would say, you know, do a job you love and you'll never day, you know, you'll never work a day in your life or absolutely give up the job if if, if it's not working for you. And I, I personally would take a more practical approach. I think if you're very miserable in your job, absolutely you have to do something about it. But at the same time, you know, when I'm working with people, I would say, well, look, how are things financially, you know? Yes. So if you were to leave your job today, can you pay your mortgage or can you pay your rent or look after your family for the next three months if you were out of work? Most people can't. Sometimes it's yes. Most people say can't. Say that again? Though. Most people can't. Absolutely. Some people can't. And I think what, what people can do in that case is you can always, you can continue doing the 95, getting getting through that 95 for a period of time in order to serve you financially while figuring things out on the side. Um, while figuring out okay what could I do do I need to upskill do I need to use the job I have at the moment and get more skills or more experience in a certain area that will help me bridge across or for some way it could be that they want to start their own business and they start it as a passion project on the side while working nine to five and then when it has built up enough then they have that security to move so I like to take a more practical approach where you are looking at things financially from a mental health perspective etc and weighing it all up and getting your ducks in a row in a practical way. But for a lot of people, um, work is a means to an end. And I think people accept yeah. that, don't they? That that thing about finding something you're good at and then be lucky enough to find somebody to pay you to do it, that's idyllic, utopian for a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. And I think, I, you're right. I think I think different people will look at it different ways. And I think at different stages of your life, Ray, as well. So for example, if you're saving for a mortgage at the moment um, and mm. you, you know, you're in a job that you don't like, but you know, well, if I leave now, I have to wait maybe mm. a year or two or whatever it is um, for the bank to give me the mortgage. I think at different stages of your life, you can just put up with it and you can say, absolutely, it's a means to an end. And then I think there's different stages of life. And I think that has kind of crept in over the last two years, to your point earlier, that I think some people are saying, well, I have, it has been a means to an end for the last couple of years, the last five years, the last 10 years, it might be. But now I am ready to change something. But Ray, the message I'd love to get across to people, and I don't think people always realise this, but I I think when people consider a career change, if they're sitting with dissatisfaction, satisfaction what will keep them in that dissatisfaction is they feel like they need to go out and invest in a master's or they need to do a complete career change. But that's not always the case. And what I help people with through my workshops and one-to-ones is actually figuring out, well, 
what is the dissatisfaction? What is it that is causing you the dissatisfaction and causing you not to enjoy your job and not to want to get up in the morning? And what is it at this stage in your life that you actually need from your career? So for some people, that could be flexibility. For others, it could be, well, like I said earlier, I need a certain salary because I need to go for the mortgage. And for other people, it will be, I need fulfillment and I need connection. But what I'd love to get across to people is it's not always that big career change, um, Ray. Sometimes it's just figuring out what's not working and what do I actually need? Okay. And then what kind of tweaks can I make? Yeah, that's the word. That's the word, tweaks. And give us an example yeah. of some of the tweaks that people might 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 do and, and they come out the other end and they're they're yeah. happier in their lot with their lot. Yeah, so I'll give you a couple. Um, I mean, one could be, for example, very basic example, but for example, if you're working in sales um, and you haven't been enjoying your, la- your, your job the last three or four years, it's not necessarily um, that you are not enjoying sales per se anymore, but maybe over the last five years since you joined that job, your life has changed and um, maybe your values have changed and maybe you just don't believe in the product you're, you're <laughs> yes, selling or yeah. the, the organisation you're working for. And that's a small tweak. That's mm. actually just figuring out, well, what would I like to sell and what industry would I like to align myself mm. in? And do sales over there. Another quick example is location. For example, if you're sitting in a car driving an hour to work every day and and that's taken away, you you know, from your family. You might not be getting home until eight and the baby's in bed. That's causing you an awful lot of resentment and dissatisfaction. But that could just be a case of literally changing your location. Mm. Um, another example, management. You know, people, we can't choose who we work with, but management could have changed in the last couple of years. And it's just making that small tweak again. I could go on for re- forever, Ray. Here, here's the thing, Angela. I, I, don't want, I don't want you to talk yourself out of a job. I'll tell people that they can contact you at <laughs> AngelaBurke.ie. That's your website, AngelaBurke.ie. Yeah. But if people want to do their own sort of audit on on yeah. on how they feel about their job and their career, what what should they, is it is it, is is it as simple as pros and cons or what is it? What do you suggest? I, I would suggest a very, and I'll give you the high level four steps and they can absolutely okay. start with this, you know, today, tomorrow. The first thing I alluded to with earlier, Ray, is just figuring out where is that dissatisfaction, you know, stemming for, from or where's the desire for the change stemming from? You know, it could be anything, but figuring that out because the last thing you want to do is end up in a different chair, but the same situation. Mm. The second thing then, again, I mentioned it earlier, but figuring out, you know, what do you need at this stage of your life from your career? Because that could be very different from two years ago, five years ago. There you covered Um, those two things. Yeah, absolutely. Third thing then is figuring out, can I get it from this job? So can I stay in this job but have a conversation with my manager? Can I move internally in the company? Do I need to change jobs or does it need to be a full career change? So that could be around flexibility. Exactly, exactly. Something like that can give people ounces and ounces of satisfaction. Um, And then, you know, the the third thing then is figuring out, okay, well, what do I have in my toolkit, I call it? What do I have in my toolkit to help me make those changes? So what are my skills, my experiences, my qualifications? We spend so much time, Ray, thinking about what we don't have. But if we figure out what we do have, then that brings me on to the fourth and final step. If you figure out what you have, that will enable you through your job search, through your job applications to very quickly help the employer realise how and why you can do the job. Um, well, and it's, it's I'd say a lot of that. people find it difficult to articulate what they have, their skill set. They may have a they basic do. qualification from 15 or 20 years ago, but in the intervening years, they, 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 what do I do? What, you know, what do I yeah. bring to this? And it's hard to articulate that and write it down on a CV, I would imagine, for a lot of people. Completely. And it's not until I see that my 
my workshops all the time where I ask people to write down their skills and they just go blank. But actually, when you start, I suppose, someone like myself start teasing out, well, what are you doing in this job? What were you doing in the last job? Um, even, for example, people could be listening in that haven't had a career in years or maybe never had a career. They're, they've been looking after their family life and now they want a career. They have skills as well. Negotiation with the toddler is a skill. Yeah. Prioritising the whole family is a skill. So, yeah, it can be so, hard to figure out what you have in your toolkit, but it can absolutely be figured out by just looking through the last few jobs you've had or what you do every day and writing it down and not focusing on what you don't have. Uh, and what advice would you give to people who want to come into the, the, the workplace after a break? Be it yeah, you know, yeah. for, for child rearing or whatever. Um, what advice do you give to those people? Yeah, I see that a lot. And the biggest thing I see, Ray, is the confidence is low. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we forget things. I, I mean, it, I'm sure there's lots of people that logged onto the laptop today and forgot their password after that nice long break we had. I think there's a couple of things. One, I would say, if you're going back into the same industry you have, try and just over the next, you know, just say you're going back to work in two months' time. Over the next couple of months, just gradually ease yourself in. You know, go on LinkedIn and start researching and reading articles and just getting, I suppose, up to date on what's actually going on. Um, connection is a big thing you know I think we've all kind of become hermits during this um, pandemic and we're all slowly kind of losing our, our social skills and it's no different if you've been out of the workforce for you know a month for six months for six years I think you know connect connect with people and and, and build your confidence up um, a big one and it's probably the only fluffy thing I'll say because I'm very practical but <laughs> write out your success bank because when it comes to confidence Ray we can kind of forget what we what we achieved in our career and we can mm. again I mentioned it earlier but we can start to think about what we haven't done or what we can't do. So I think just writing down those big things that you achieved um, can really help with the confidence and remind yourself as well and help that conversation with your employer in terms of what you can do and what you have achieved, you know, the proof, yeah. the proof in the pudding. Um, and then lastly, I will say, you know, going back into the workforce, you have that time, you have that chance for a fresh start. So do follow those steps I mentioned earlier to figure out like, you know, what do I need at this stage in my career? And will going back to that same job give that to me? Or do I need to make some changes, whether they're minor changes or big changes um, or that big career change? Okay. Uh, we said you were coming on and we have a number of specific questions for you to see how you can handle these. Uh, does your career Super. expert have advice on how to start a business? I'm currently teaching, but would love to open a cafe which would be a huge change. Lovely. I just don't know where to start. I love cooking and did a couple of courses, but when it comes to figuring out the business end of things, I am totally lost. Love it, yeah. So what I would say there is, it's, it's in the keyword lost. I think when you want to do something, but you haven't done it before, you need to talk to people. I think in this country, we are terrible at time for just reaching out and asking for help. So what I would say that to that person is maybe reach out to a couple of cafes. And I'd suggest reaching out to a cafe who is a little bit ahead of you. So someone who has started within the last year so that they still remember those feelings mm. of nerves and those, you know, those daunting feelings. Reach out to someone that's five years in business and then reach out to someone that's 20 years in business and Ray in terms of practicality I think it's awful important before you dive into something you know what a really good day looks like but what a really bad day looks like as well and that way you're going into it informed and you're not uh -huh. going to have any nasty surprise so there's a, get there's informed a, There's a book out there as well on how to how to run a cafe we had a guy on can't remember his name I might, it might come back to me but he's written a book on it on setting it up um, which, okay, yeah. yeah which might be the perfect thing for this person uh, now good luck with that if it happens my wife has been turned down for a couple of jobs uh, that she went for last year she is miserable in her current job and has just resigned herself to staying in it now she has so much mm -hmm. potential and has had her confidence knocked 
It is a no-go conversation in our house when I bring it up. Is there any way I could help her get her confidence back? It's a lovely, he's a very thoughtful man, isn't, isn't yeah. he? Yeah, um, that's lovely. Yeah, lovely to, to reach out. Um, there's two things I pick up on there, on there, Ray, and I'll mention the confidence thing secondly. But first, what I want to say is, when I hear from people who are not having the success they want in terms of getting a new job, the first thing I always say to them is, where are you getting knocked down? So are you getting called for interview? If you're getting called for interview, then your CV is doing the job uh-huh. it needs to do. It's getting you the call for interview. If you're if you're not getting called for interview, then you need to fix your CV because your CV is not doing the job it, it needs to do, which is helping the employer quickly see this person can do the job. So that will help you figure out which piece you need to work on. Um, and and then with regard to the confidence, really important point there, because it sounds like um, this guy can't can't have the conversation because our confidence is low. So what I would say there is, and, and again, I mentioned earlier, but writing a success bank. So writing down like what you can do, writing mm-hmm. out your toolkit, focusing on what you can do, um, because we spend too much time thinking about the rejection or what, you know, we don't have that six years experience or that qualification. But if you spend time thinking about what you do have, it will bring up your confidence. Um, yeah. And talking to someone, Ray, talking to someone who similarly was in a similar boat to herself, um, struggling to get a new job but eventually you know did, did get Got that one, job yes, I think talking yeah. to someone in the same boat yeah. uh, I hope that works out uh, can I ask how to go about asking my boss for a raise uh, happy where yes. I am with what I'm doing but haven't got a raise gotten a raise in three years Okay, this is a very popular one and particularly around this time of year because I think a lot of the kind of end of year, start of year conversations happen. Um, Ray, when it comes to asking for a salary raise, um, it's really important. A lot of people go in and they start talking about why they deserve one. But at the end of the day, what the employer, I suppose, how the employer sets the salary for for someone is based on the job. So what I would say to people is if you want to go in and ask for a raise, be very clear on why the job you're doing today deserves a different salary uh-huh. than the salary you started on three years ago. So that could be things like, well, I'm doing X, Y, Z now that I wasn't doing three years ago. I have brought this amount of business. Um, you know, I've, I've saved time. I've changed mm. processes. Um, I'm, you know, I'm adding value in X, Y, Z way. So it's not about, I suppose, why you deserve a raise, even though I know we all think that that's what it is about. It's actually about how has the job changed or how you're doing the job? Yes. How has that changed? That's good advice. And then the last thing I would say, Ray, is, you know, don't go in asking for, you know, I think be realistic. Don't go in asking for 10K when that's completely out of range in the market. Have a look. Um, there's lots of um, agencies have salary surveys online where you can very quickly see what is the price for your job um, ask people you know how much are you being paid and then what you can do is actually go in with a, a realistic range as opposed to just selling yourself way too high and then it's not a practical conversation great uh, could you ask the career lady how uh, you can go part-time i've been full-time for years and would love to go part-time to help more with the children mm-hmm yeah, so a couple of things here. Um, I think, like I alluded to earlier, very important to just run the numbers, make sure it's, it's viable financially for you, um, first of all. And then it's a case of having a conversation with your current um, employer and seeing, can you make that work? No harm before you go to have that conversation. Have your ducks in a row. So preempt what they're going to come back with. Um, I think one of the first things is, you know, well, how will the job get done? So have your scenarios in motion. Okay, how is the job going to get done? Are you going to job share it? Are you going 
going to work differently, for example? How are you going to manage busy times of the year? If the conversation doesn't go well there, well, then, you know, look externally and see, well, what kind of um, companies, employers, jobs could I transition into? Mm. And it might mean a slight career change, um, but it's about, you know, starting where you are first, but getting the conversation right and then kind of going outwards from there. Just from your experience before we let you go, Angela, um, what mistakes do people make? Is They give up a job before they have yeah, a job? Or? I suppose that... <laughs> The biggest mistake I, I see people make, Ray, is when they, well, the two things I think when they, when they want to change, um, I think people just get the CV out, dust it off, half update it and just start, you know, sending out job applications. And the mistake there is you're, you're going to end up in a very similar situation uh-huh. because you haven't figured out, well, why do I want to change and what needs to change? And the second mistake is you're just half updating your CV um, and there's going to be thousands of other people who look just like you on paper. So if you want to give yourself the best chance of getting the job, getting a call for the interview, you need to be very strategic and you need to think, well, what is the employer looking for with that job? And how can I position my CV so that when they pick it up electronically or on paper, they very quickly see this person is relevant and without a doubt in their mind, they're going to call you for, okay. for interviews. So they would be the two most common mistakes, mistakes I would see make. people making. Uh, Colin Harmon, what I know about running coffee shops is a book for that lady and Karen says for that teacher who wants to open their own cafe please tell them to get in touch with their local enterprise office to sign up for one of their brilliant start your own business courses the local enterprise offices are in every single county in the country and are there to help pre-start start up and scale up businesses visit uh, localenterprise.ie to find your local enterprise office and discover all their supports that sounds like somebody from the local enterprise office. It's Karen, anyway, so that's good advice as well. Uh, Angela Burke, great thanks idea. for that. Uh, AngelaBurke.ie, and I'm sure we'll talk again uh, because we've got a great Absolutely. reaction to that. Uh, mind yourself. Thanks, Angela. Thanks, Ray. Bye now. Have we got time for this? We do, yeah. Mm, little oasis of calm there, courtesy of Dermot Kennedy and his version of the Van Morrison song, Days Like This. Anish uh, on the Preeskelton and Noakland and Marion Nihulawan. Good Marion. Thanks very much. 51551 for your texts. You can send us emails to ray at rte.ie. We're easing you into a new year here. Um, and we're looking for little bits of little bits of advice. Uh, if you turn off the data Wi-Fi of your smartphone and only check for messages mornings, lunchtime and in the evening, this really helps the mind to rest. Works well for me, says that person. That's nice advice. That's Pat in Dublin. Uh, now it's time for Reeling in the Ears. <laughs> Yeah, bits of songs, news reports, TV shows and movies and three questions for our two contestants who are waiting on the line. Uh, if they go for a short clip, it's a little bit more difficult to get two points for that. A long clip will get them one point and there's a prize. And this week, it's a nice getaway to the River Lee in Cork, a part of the Doyle collection of hotels. Beautiful riverside location, luxurious bedrooms and divine dining options. And you can find out what they have in store for you. DoyleCollection.com, an ideal place to explore everything that Cork City has to offer. Hello, Cora Gill. Hi, Ray. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. You're in Leitrim. I am, surely, yes. Whereabouts in Leitrim? Uh, Clune. Clune? Between Mohol and Baltimore. Ah, right. Okay. And and is it spelled C-L-U-N-E or C-L-O-N? No, C-L-O-O-N-E. Right. Any idea what the origins of the place name are? Uh, no. No. Too sure. No. <laughs> you're, out, you're out for a walk. <laughs> I might have learned it years ago. I've forgotten it now. <laughs> yeah. I'm nervous. You're, you're fine. You're out for a walk. Yes, just with a friend, Breed. Uh, how you, Breed? Uh, is she going to help you? 
Well, hopefully. Yeah, yeah. Stand, on standby, you know. Yeah, I believe you had a lovely Christmas. I had a great Christmas, yeah. It was, it was really nice. Go on. We had a nice break. Yeah. And who was there? Uh, my mum, she's 90, and uh, we all gathered at her house. So myself and my two daughters and my sister and her two girls and her husband and a brother and another sister and her husband. So right. About 11 of us all together. Yeah. Uh, your mother didn't do the cooking, did she? No, no. My two sisters, Mary and Emer, took over yeah. and I did the wash up. Right. And was it traditional turkey and ham and all that? Definitely, yeah. The whole trimmings. Yeah. About four lots of vegetables. Great. <laughs> they went to all the rounds. <laughs> yeah. That's what Jenny said to me. You don't have to do all those vegetables. And I said, you do. It's Christmas Day. <laughs> do you know what I mastered this year? The carrots. I've never got the carrots right. I, I find if you boil them, they're too watery. And then I was cutting them into stick-like things and roasting them, but they shriveled up. So yeah. I got it this time, right? So you, yeah. cu- you cut them sort of at an angle, but the full carrot and, and about an inch and a half. And this is the right. thing, right? Parboil them, then roast them. And then at the very end... Um, butter and honey put it into oh. a saucepan and then just throw the, the carrots in delicious absolutely delicious yeah the kids would love that they were the stars of the show now uh, yeah, the, the carrots yeah. there you go for piece ne- of resistance yeah piece of resistance <laughs> <laughs> for next year Corey you can pass that on to your sister I will I'll pass it on yeah, to the cooks yeah. uh, and your mum's in good health she is thank God she had her 90th there back in June Great, great. Uh, uh, you're, up, great for him. you're up against Anne Farrell, who is from Dublin but living in Kerry. How are you doing, Anne? Okay. Hello, Ray. How are you? And that's Cora there you're up against. Yes, hello, Hi, Cora. Yeah. How are you? Uh, how long are you in... Cora. Yeah, how long are you in Kerry, Anne? Oh, seven and a half years, thereabouts. Right, and what brought you down there? Uh, a bit of peace and quiet. <laughs> and nice scenery. Yeah. So whereabouts in Kerry... From Kenmare, about four miles. Which um, which side of it? Are you out, out towards Castletown uh, Bear? On the Sneem Road. Oh, on yeah. the Sneem Road. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, and, uh, hello. hello? Sorry. Yeah, you're there. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, so has it worked out here? Because you lived in Malahide for 30 years. And, and, uh, yeah, quite nearly different. 30 years. Uh, yeah, quite. It's, it's, it's a lot different in one way. Um, Malahide's lovely, obviously, but very crowded in the summer, mm. so between traffic and people you never got to near, near the beach yeah so uh, I might as well be down on Kenmare Bay because it's a lot quieter yeah, even yeah. in the summer you know um, and how was Christmas besides we were retiring you know so yeah decided we'd like to do that nice um, and how was Christmas Anne well we went to Dublin for <laughs> after all that <laughs> well my children were meeting us there and we all got together uh, I have a son in Paris uh, with his wife and we all got together in Dublin for Christmas because it was easier for everyone to yeah, yeah. be under one roof with restri- although we're all boosted every one of us um, my children are old enough to be boosted you know so yeah it was good um, hectic but good great um, now you have been on a radio quiz before I was on a radio and a television, two television. Oh, right. Quizzes. Go on, tell us all. I was on a radio with Gay Byrne about 1983 or 4. Right. Uh, I won that. Well and he was shocked that I knew an answer to a Keats question, right. I remember. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he sort of said, oh, what? How did you know that? <laughs> and uh, then I was on Where in the World with Marty Whelan. Right. Our family won that. Well done. We didn't get the final question, but we won it anyway. And where um, did you go in the world? What did you win? We won uh, a weekend to Brussels, which we decided to 
Cash in oh, in right. the uh, Tracy place. What it's, I can't remember his first name. Ray Tracy, is it? Did he have a yeah. Um, Ray Tracy. He used to do sports. Yeah, sports the, the holiday packages. thing. Yes, we yeah. traded it in against uh, a family camping holiday in France. Okay, right. The top prize should have been a holiday in Yugoslavia, but they asked who was the first American in space, and we said Glenn. John Glenn, and it was Alan B. Shepard, which ah, right. happened to be there happened to be a movie the next week after we appeared on it talking about Alan B. Shepard. Right. All my, all my neighbours were saying, "Why did you not did you not see it?" But they forgot it was recorded. Yes, you know? yes, yeah, yeah. So I, then we were on. I well, I was on. Um, Who wants to be a millionaire with Gable? Right. Yeah, but I wasn't fast on the finger. Um, oh, so you didn't so get didn't onto get the on. seat. You didn't no, get onto the seat. No. Okay. So, 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 Cora, you're up against a quiz, a quiz that. veteran so, here. Yes. Yeah. 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 I didn't win. You know? Okay. Okay. I'm joking. Uh, okay, uh, Cora and good luck. You know the deal. Um, We've three questions, and if you go for the short clip, uh, you get two points. Go for the long clip, you get one point. Here we go. Okay. Okay, Cora, um, seeing as it's the beginning of 2022, we said we do last year. So it's 2021. All the questions are on 2021. The first question is on the telly. So it's a small screen TV programme. Do you want to go for a short clip or a long clip? I'll try a short clip, please. Okay. Uh, This crime drama set in Dublin starred Aidan Gillen, Claire Dunn, Charlie Cox and Emmett Scanlon. And it's centred around a family out for revenge. And here is your short clip for two points. But everyone gets sloppy and when he does we will be waiting for him. Is it Ken? It is Ken. Well done. Two points for you. Now Anne, that's uh, put you under a little bit of pressure good, right from the off. Start. Yes, yeah, yeah. So we're on the telly again and it is 2021 as in last year. Uh, do you want to go for a two-pointer or a one-pointer? Um... The short one. Short one, yeah, that's two points. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, staying in the crime uh, drama genre, this show uh, set between Limerick and Belgium starred Angeline Ball and Cathy Belton. The story centred on the Criminal Assets Bureau as they race to halt an international terror attack. And here is your short clip for two points. My name is Detective Sergeant Emer Berry. I'm with the Criminal Assets Bureau. <laughs> Haven't a clue. Haven't a clue. No. It, it, it followed on after Kane on a Sunday night on RT1. Hidden Assets. Hidden Assets is the name, but it's still there oh, on the RT I, 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 I didn't watch either of Oh, you didn't watch either, so you wouldn't have known Kane either. Okay, okay. Right, uh, early days, don't fret yet. Don't fret yet. Okay, back to no you, Cora. Uh, 2021, we're in the charts. It's music. How do you think your knowledge is on last year's hits? I'll try a long A long one on time. this, okay. Mm-hmm. This uh, song proved to be a huge hit uh, last summer. Uh, can you name the song or the singer? And here's your long clip for one point. I can feel the paradise before my world implodes. And tonight had something wonderful. Who's that? Cora, it's Cora, yeah, Cora. It's not Ed Sheeran, no? It is Ed Sheeran, it is Ed Sheeran. Oh, yeah. Right. yeah, you got a point bad for that. Habits, yeah, yeah, it? yeah. It is, yeah, bad habits. You don't get extra points for getting both right, but That's it's... That's all right. Yeah, you do Sounds get the like point. I one of them. Yeah, um, and he was on The Hoot Nanny with Jules Holland there on New Year's Eve and he sang Raglan Road, lovely version of it. Oh, brilliant. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and still with music, uh, still last year, do you want to go short or long? Um... I'll go short. You go short for two points. Okay, this is an important question for you now because if you don't get this right, uh, then you can't catch Cora. 
Okay, so this is the one. A decider. Short clip for two points. The name of the song or the name of the singer. Feel the world around me. That's Adele. It is Adele. Easy on me. You're back in the game, Anne Farrell. Back in the game. Okay, right. So two plays three. So Cora, you have to decide now. If you go for a long one, you get one point, and then Anne Farrell decides to go for a short one and gets two points, then it's uh, even at the end, and we go to a tiebreak situation. However, if you go for uh, a two-pointer, a short clip, Anne Farrell can't catch you. So the choice is yours. What's it going to be? Is it a film this time? No, it's news. I shouldn't oh, really tell you that, but sure. yeah. Okay, um, I'll try a two. You're going two. for a two, right? Yeah. Okay. So this, uh, to win uh, or to leave the door open for Anne Farrell. Uh, so last February, Texas lawyer Rod Ponton went viral after a Zoom filter turned him into what? So it's a short clip for two points. This to win the quiz today. Here it is. Can you hear me, Judge? I can hear you. I think it's a filter. So a Zoom filter turned him into what? Cora. I have no idea. No idea. It's one of the funniest things from last year. I know you're not getting the point, so you don't want to hear this. But if you look at it up later on, it'll bring a smile to your face. You might laugh out loud. A cat. He had borrowed his the laptop from his assistant and there was a cat filter on it. And, uh, oh, right. Yes, okay. yeah, there you go. Okay, so you're on three, on three and you're on two. So you can go for a long one, get one point and bring us to a tie-break situation, if you get it right. Or you can go for a short one, get two and be today's winner. The choice is yours. Oh, uh, um, I wish I'd had the last question because I knew that one. Uh, did you? <laughs> right, okay. Yeah. Uh, I'd go for a short one, sure. You're going for a short one, all right. Go big or go home, as they say. Right, for, exactly. it's in the news. Can you name the activist who gave an impassioned speech at COP26 in Glasgow in November? And here's your short clip for two points. There is no planet blah. Blah, blah, blah. Blah, blah, blah. That was Greta Thunberg. It was Greta Thunberg. Is correct. Two points for that. And makes you today's winner. Cora, sorry oh, about that. Just, you started off so well. Uh, All right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, best, of lo- best uh, well done, and uh, Thanks, Cora. Sorry about that. Cora, we're Not going to send all. out two radar show mugs. You can give one to Breed if you like, who's your walking partner, or you can keep it for yourself. Um, okay, so thanks, on its way, and, and mind yourself. A happy New Year. See you, Cora. Same to you. Many happy returns. Bye, uh, bye, bye now. now. Bye, bye. Uh, and Farrell, uh, well done. Another quiz under your belt and success. Well, uh, <laughs> well I, you know, I, don't, I didn't watch those crime dramas, but now if you'd ask me something about Line of Duty or. Uh-huh. You know, something like that. You would have known. You would have known. Well, listen, you're I off. Was I was lucky, and you know, Cora was unlucky. Yeah, you need a bit of luck. You're off to the Riverlee Hotel in Cork. It's a Doyle Collection hotel. You can find out more doylecollection.com. Enjoy Great. that. Happy New Thank Year. You so much, Ray. See you. Bye Take now. Bye, bye bye The Ray Darcy Show on RTE Radio One. Email Ray at rte.ie. The Ray Darcy Show on RTE Radio uh, 1. Or text 51551 just for your information. 2022 is not a leap year. The next leap year is 2024. Also for your information, Clune, um, where Cora was from, is Irish for meadow. And uh, Marie and Waterford says, never put your carrots or any other veg in water. Use a tiered steamer. Well, I would if I had one, Maria. But I don't have a tiered steamer, whatever that is. But thanks for your advice. Thank you.
Connor Pope after this from Elton John. Three Elton John songs in one. And Dua Lipa in there as well. Connor Pope, good afternoon. Hi Ray, how are you getting on? Better than you, by the sounds of things. <laughs> well, no, no, I wouldn't want to be overstating it. But I, like an awful lot of people, I have been vaguely touched by COVID over the last week. I don't have it. But I visited two households over the entire Christmas period. And people in each of the two households subsequently failed antigen tests, mm-hmm. which kind of makes me something of a close contact of two different households. So I figured for the... Abundance of caution. I I do the show from from my bedroom today, okay. but I want to stress that I have taken. I, I have I've become so skilled at taking the antigen tests. I think I might open a clinic because because in the early days of the antigen testing, I was just whacking it up my nose and hoping for the best. But having watched so many videos, I now know that you need to bend it round a little bit and right. you need to push it up until your eyes are practically streaming. Yeah. So my children are just like, they, they, they hate me when they see me approaching with the antigen kits. But but nobody in my house has tested positive. Nobody in my house has failed the antigen test. So we're all good. But as I say, just out of the abundance of caution, because I think things are getting slightly more confusing for people. And in the old days, it was pretty straightforward. You you'd do your PCR test, you'd either get a positive result or a negative result, and you'd know what to do. But now with the whole, you know, with the, with the, the depression that's on the PCR testing yeah. system, and then the antigen tests and it's just it has become very very confusing for people so just so the two people the two households had positive antigen as opposed to PCR tests exactly okay. exactly exactly right okay and they're, um, they're awaiting so, a PCR test are they well, you see, as you know, Ray, the rules have kind of changed yes. for people over of a certain age, under yes, the age yes. of 39. Yeah. So if you get a positive test and you're under 39, you just have to assume that it's positive and you don't get the PCR test unless you've got symptoms. And then if you're over 39, so if you're in, the, in our age category, you'd go for your PCR test. And it's just to take pressure off the system. And I can totally understand why... Uh, the HSC and and the public health authorities have to do this because it's Mm. just groaning under the strain of people who have symptoms. But as you well know, as soon as you think that you might have it, you start developing phantom symptoms. Like, oh God, I've got a You can think yourself sick. You can think yourself sick. That's the... (laughs) And and then you find out that that somebody has grand and they don't have it. You think, oh, I'm fine again as well. But it's just, it's part of the world that we're living in now. You're in the middle of Operation Isolation. That's that's Neve's phrase there. (laughs) There's a TV programme to be made out of that. Just to let you know, um, you have to have a, an antigen test to come in, Tortino. You have to have a... Oh, dear. Yeah, yeah, negative antigen test, yeah. As in from oh, yesterday. Oh, I negative one this morning. Yes, I would have yeah. been fine. <laughs> uh, I, I, yeah, um, so I, I have to do one every day now before I come in. Yeah, I know. But you I know think what? that's a good it's, idea. It's, They've been doing it in the States for a long a time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's, you can buy the tests now for fairly cheap. I mean, there are two, two euros, two fifty in Lidl and Aldi and Duns and Tesco and all the rest. And for the sake of the seconds of discomfort, if it gives people a bit more comfort knowing that their colleagues and the people they're around mm. have at least tested negative for COVID based on an antigen test, I think it's no bad thing, you know. It is and a bit we'll mad though, it. but it is a bit mad that, that I have to say that I have a negative antigen test, but I can't ask somebody or somebody can't ask me if I'm vaccinated. Anyway, that, that, that's... That, 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 yeah, that, <laughs> it, it is very peculiar. But, it is uh, peculiar. And, and just as a matter of interest, how do you, do you just have to say it? Is it, yeah, that, that's, is it a that's the other thing. Faith? It's a matter of trust. Yeah, a matter of trust. Yeah. Like I was thinking, how oh, yeah. would you do it? Like you would have to video yourself doing it because the video would be date stamped. <laughs> There's no point you in just showing... You could put it on TikTok, <laughs> Ray. There's TikTok. the thing. You could become a TikTok sensation overnight and pick some music to yes, do it to. Yes, yeah. To do it to some really dancey tune, Ray Darcy's antigen testing. Uh, I tell you, it's, it'll be a viral sensation if you forget hey, the words. Hey, 
<laughs> right, listen, we could we could chat about this all day, uh, but we have to get on to today's problem. Pricewatch at rte.ie and there's a lot of people uh, with things that they got and they don't want and people with vouchers and all sorts of things. So I'd imagine we will have Christmas themed problems for the next few weeks. Anyway, this one is a Christmas themed one. I got a present of an outfit from Dunn Stores for Christmas, but it is a couple of sizes too small. I want to return it, but obviously don't have the receipt as it was a gift. I presume I can get a refund because it still has the tags and clearly could only have come from Dunn's. But I just want to check my rights before I go in. Look at this person. They'll probably be playing a recording of what you say next, so be careful. Yeah. The bad news is they don't have many rights. Oh. Um, and an awful lot of people kind of assume they have certain rights when it comes to exchanges or refunds or whatever it might be. But this person will be entirely at the mercy of the goodwill of the retailer because under the law, and it's very clearly outlined under the law, you only have a right to an exchange or a refund or a credit note if there's something wrong with the product or if it's not as advertised or if it's not fit for purpose. And any other refund mechanism is is implemented at the at the choice of the retailer and most retailers will if you bring in a receipt and if you bring in a jumper and say listen it doesn't fit can I exchange it they will give you a credit note because it's in their interest to keep you sweet as a customer but there's another layer of difficulty for this particular person and it's a difficulty that an awful lot of people will be going through in the days and weeks ahead and that is they don't have a receipt now you can argue that okay well it still has its tags and it still has the St Bernard label or whatever label it might be which proves it comes from Dunn stores but that doesn't necessarily prove that you bought it in Dunn stores. And one of the reasons why proof of purchase is so important is it stops people going into a shop, and I'm not suggesting this listener did this by any means, shoplifting something and then going back into the shop and saying, listen, can I get an exchange or can I get a refund? So you have to be able to prove that you paid for the product in this shop. So... If, like, what, are, if, what, if, this is, what if the person went back to the person who gave them the gift and they have a record of it on, say, a debit card or a credit card. Yeah, is that, that, is you, that like proof of? Yeah, proof of purchase is not a receipt, and an awful lot of people think, "Oh no, you need a receipt." All you need to be able to do is that, to prove that you bought the product. Mm. So, in the old days, a check stub would have been proof of purchase, and in the modern world, you know, a, a screen grab of the relevant portion of your bank statement showing that seventeen ninety nine or fifty ninety nine or whatever it might be was spent in Dunn stores on the seventeenth of December and the and it matches the price of the product that you're you're wanting to change. And because this person isn't looking to change it because it's terrible and it's a rubbish present, it's, you know, there isn't that awkwardness. You know the way if you, if you, if somebody gives you a present and you just hate it, you can't go back to them and say, No, it never happened to me. Sorry, never happened to me. (laughs) (laughs) Any chance, lads, I could get get the receipt because your present is disgusting and you've got terrible taste. So you're not (laughs) saying that. You're saying, listen, it just doesn't fit and I want to exchange it to the same product the same item, um, but th- that uh, you know, but it does fit. So that's the first avenue that this person needs to explore. Now, if that's not possible, and if if for some reason they don't want to do that, you could go into the shop and explain the circumstances. And you know, it's very possible that a big retailer will say, "Well, listen, it's in our interests to keep this customer on side. The product is in its it, it's in its original packaging. It's got the same tags and labels on it, and we can just swap the medium for the large, and it's no odds to us." But I would stress that when you do that, you're not going in demanding your rights and banging your fist on the table and saying, "You know, I must get this thing." You have to go in in a very good-natured way and almost plead to their good nature or appeal to their good nature because that's what you're relying on in a situation like this. Um, or the other thing that you could do is if 
if you know if it, you could obviously wrap it up box it up give it to somebody else as a present next year or you could donate it to charity or whatever it might okay. be but the important thing is that you wouldn't just sit on it and leave it in your cupboard because, or your closet because that way you know it's been bad it, 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 it has taken its toll on the environment to make the product and you might as well uh, might as well get it out there and, and get used by somebody Just before I let you go they do say refund it's not likely they're going to get a refund. They may get a credit note no or, or a replacement no, uh, product, but yeah, not a that's refund. Actually, yeah, yes. yeah, I'm glad you, put, you, yeah. you picked that word up. That's a really good point. There is literally no chance that the retailer, any retailer, it's not done, any retailer will give someone a refund in circumstances right. like that because that means they're out of pocket. But the best you could hope for would be either a credit note or an exchange for the same product, okay. just in a different size. Any suggestions for the music to do my antigen testing? No, I'm joking. Uh, Connor, thanks very much. Pricewatch at rte.ie if you want Connor's help on any consumer issues. Thanks, Connor. Connor, mind yourself. See Thanks a lot. Take bye, care. Bye-bye. Bye, bye. Uh, that's it from us. Uh, Cormac is flying solo today on Drive Time. We are back tomorrow at three o'clock. Enjoy the rest of your Tuesday evening. Uh, where, there you go. That's, that's all I have there. It's the Ray Darcy Show on RTE Radio 1. Enjoy the show.